when we build an annual budget for somebody, it's not just I'm going to spend 50 bucks here and 50 bucks there. It starts at if I'm on my own website channel, these are the things that we're going to do. We have our 12 months laid out, you know, and if in the third month of the year, we're going to start our SEO efforts, we start putting money in. We ramp that money up in the lines of the actual in, in the income statement where they would go in the budget. So that all drives up. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. E-commerce opportunity is highly lucrative. As an executive responsible for e-commerce success, you will come across several options and opportunities. But if you don't know how to plan for e-commerce, you might be out of cash without knowing what went wrong. For example, it could happen as you overcommitted in channels that didn't perform to your expectations or you stock too much inventory in the hope of getting significant traffic from your e-commerce efforts. E-commerce budgeting requires comprehensive planning across channels. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss e-commerce budget planning. We covered many grounds in this episode, including the cost buckets that need to be considered for e-commerce budget planning. We discussed the framework of e-commerce spend in many industries and ratios of how they plan for e-commerce spend. Finally, we discussed several stories to identify the initial beachhead for e-commerce success and then ongoing measurement and development. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And Today, we are going to be talking about planning budget for e-commerce companies or the companies that might be starting on the e-commerce journey. So we are going to start with the intro. Damon, do you want to introduce yourself? All right. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Damon Pistalka, Exit Your Way. Uh, we help manufacturing and e-commerce businesses build better businesses that they can sell or succeed when they want. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Damon, for joining. And obviously, you uh, see a lot of different companies in various stages. So I think your experience is going to be significantly relevant. What kind of percentages you are seeing with respect to the e-commerce spend as well as the e-commerce planning. So thank you so much for being here. Chris, would you mind introducing yourself next? Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Chris Harrington, Gen Alpha Technologies. We are a provider of e-commerce software for equipment and parts, manufacturers, distributors, and dealers. So um, very excited to be here for this particular topic. I think budgeting for e-commerce is critical for initial success and long-term sustained success. So 
happy to be a part of this panel. Okay, amazing, Chris. So again, you have a lot of experience working with B2B companies and it's going to be, and I don't know if the budget differs in the B2B space versus B2C space. B2C is going to be significantly relying on the e-commerce channel just because the other channels could be far more expensive. So it's going to be interesting to know from your perspective how it works in the B2B world. Thank you so much for joining, Chris. Uh, Steve, what do you like to introduce next? Yes, thank you for having me on your panel, Sam. Appreciate it very much. My name is Steve Rice with Dotcom Jungle, uh, and we help companies, wholesale retail consumer product companies, uh, make and implement wise technology choices. And as one of my clients put it recently, we essentially are the folks that tie your company together. Okay, thank you so much, Steve. And I think your experience is going to be significantly relevant for the panel as well, just because your B2C experience is, is very strong. So thank you so much for being here, Steve. Erin, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Thank you, Sam. Erin Courtney. I'm with Earthling Interactive. We're a digital services agency and e-commerce is one of our areas of expertise. We do B2C and B2B. And I'm looking forward to talking today about budget because that comes up a lot with our clients. So I think people are going to learn a lot today. So I'm really happy that's our topic. Thanks, Sam. Yep. And uh, Erin, I'm super excited to have you here just because uh, you talk to a lot of customers and one of the conversations is always going to be budget. And that's always the trickier topic in terms of how to balance across different channels, how to plan. So thank you so much for being here. So, Jamin, I am actually going to start with you. What is your experience when you work with these companies? Let's say if they have been in traditional channels, they don't really have the taste of e-commerce. They don't have as, as much experience with technology. And as you know, touching technology could be frightening, especially when you are talking about large dollars and you don't have a clear sense of ROI, when you are going to get and what you are going to get. So what have you seen overall from the planning perspective? What do you recommend when you work with different companies in terms of planning the budget? Well, when you're when you're looking at e-commerce, you know, I've had clients that both are in lots of channels and just starting out, right? And I think really the the if you're if you're someone that's considering e-commerce and you don't have a custom product that's going to require you to build your own website platform or use a, you know, I don't necessarily know what platform to use if you're using an out of the box system, but if you're going to sell products in a in a B2B or a B2C setting but there's a standard product, we always try to help people look at traditional e-commerce third-party platforms to start out with because you learn so much by doing that before you would go into something where you're going to have to spend money to build something that Aaron or Steve or, or Chris would be would be using because it may not be the it may not be the right approach so we we do incrementally go in with people sometimes on a platform and just start working our way in from there because of the reduced cost Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Damon, for that. And you hit on a couple of, uh, you know, really important points that if you can try an existing channel where you don't have to spend as much on tech and you can prove your market, then that's going to be an easier path overall. So when it comes to channels, obviously, the channels are going to be trickier. It's not as easy as today I'm not selling on Amazon and tomorrow I start selling on Amazon. That requires a little bit of, you know, ROI planning in terms of analyzing your margins. So what would be your approach? So let's say if I'm the, the executive and I'm actually trying to go to e-commerce. So what is going to be your recommendation that I take out, let's say, $10,000, $100,000 and I try out on Amazon? So give me some, some, some stories maybe from your past experience or the specifics in terms of what you would recommend. 
Well, you know, an Amazon is a, is a great example. I mean, what most people don't look at when they get into e-commerce is are the all-in cost, right? Because I'm going to sell on my website. Everybody thinks, well, I'm going to sell on my website. That's great. Well, if I can sell on Amazon too, Amazon's going to handle your credit card processing. They're going to do your fraud protection. They're going to handle some of your customer service and, and a lot of the transactional stuff, right? And an Amazon for that, they're going to charge you around 15%. Yep. And everybody goes, well, I can save 15% when I go to my website or something like that. That's not true. First of all, you're going to learn about fraud the hard way. you got a lot of other things that you're going to end up doing, but that that all in, into your budget. So what I see in that that whole thing is that you really need to understand your costs going into it and start with a few products, start with a, or, or a, a small product line to really understand the channel and, and as you go into it and you have to allocate the resources to do that. You're probably going to have to have somebody help you in the beginning and train somebody so that they can do it over time as you move into those channels. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for uh, those insights uh, with respect to your uh, small product line. I think that's the right way of doing it. And that could be your slice that you can find out to test your market. And once you are, let's say, proven on Amazon with your smaller product, the next step could be that maybe try some more products on Amazon or maybe try a different channel or maybe try GTC and build your own tech to decouple and, and utilize some of the margins that you might be paying to Amazon so great points there. Steve, I am actually going to move to you next because when you look at the B2C space, B2C space is trickier because you don't have easy channels such as existing distributors. At least that's what people think when they look, compare the B2B and B2C that if you can get, let's say, five distributors, you don't have to worry about trending on Google. You don't have to worry about creating your market presence. You don't have to worry about driving the traffic. But when you are working in the consumer space, you don't really have that option. Okay, so you have to drive the traffic. So from your experience, what have you seen in terms of the budget planning? Give me the dollar amount if possible. And if you can correlate that with the re revenue numbers, that, that'll be amazing overall from, from the planning perspective. Okay, sounds like you want me to wave a magic wand and tell everybody exactly how much it's going to cost. You know? Give me, give me <laughs> the story. <laughs> well, I, I can give you some stories. And I think part of the answer uh, it differs based on what their previous experience is as a distributor and as a retailer. For instance, I had a I have a client that basically did about fifteen thousand dollars a month on their retail website for a hundred and eight months in a row, despite the fact that their website traffic was doubling like every six to twelve months, right? And um, but they had uh, an eight million dollar wholesale business. That they were driving through another, uh, you know, through a market segment that I, I can't mention without violating an NDA. But um, you know, they were trying to figure out if, if we really expand our direct consumer market, what do we think we can actually do, right? And so here they have a website that's doing 180,000 a year, but if they're doing eight million in wholesale, and clearly their margins were going to be much bigger in a direct to consumer model, including Amazon. And we had to think about both of them separately. And to separate them out, I completely agree with with Damon. In a certain way, Amazon is a lot easier because you can you can create a seller central account with what's called FBA fulfilled by Amazon, or you can have a seller central account where you self ship, and you don't have to come up with a ton of inventory to put your stuff on Amazon, and you also don't have the foggiest idea what's going to happen, right? But you're in a position where you can react quickly, assuming that you have production in place to do so. When it comes to the retail website, 
if you have a history, at least you can kind of look at that and say, well, without doing anything at all, somehow we've managed to do $180,000 a year versus our eight, $8 million that we do. So that means that's a 2% of sales or whatever that comes out to. And from a financial standpoint, you can say, well, what would, what would it look like if we invested some amount to grow 10% or, or grow to 10%? And, and you can sort of backdraft your information from that, meaning if I actually want to go to $800,000 a year in retail direct-to-consumer sales, then what's that going to take and maybe how long? And, and at that point, from a budgetary standpoint, you really should be thinking about driver-based planning uh, as opposed to a fixed budget. Um, some of the less sophisticated companies will say, well, our fixed budget for the website has been 15,000 years, so and we want to quintuple our sales, so we're going to make that 75,000 a year. And that's not really the right approach. The right approach is to actually think about what the drivers are that do drive your business, focus on those, and look for a return on investment, and then budget back from that. Okay, so some amazing insights there overall in terms of planning and thinking more in terms of the drivers. So do you want to touch a little bit more on the drivers? Maybe provide some examples, maybe use a story so that our listeners can relate with it. What are going to be the drivers? Let's say if I'm the business owner, what kind of drivers am I looking at? Let's say if I want to plan for $800,000 in the, let's say, next two years, I don't know. And so what am I looking at? Well, there are a lot of them, but uh, I guess a simple example I could give you is uh, with one of, one of my clients, they basically had about a 1.7% conversion rate for, for a number of years uh, on some poorly made websites. And, you know, when I think of drivers, I'm also thinking of KPIs, key performance indicators, because if you're, if you're not measuring something, you don't know what to drive. Um, in that case, we were actually able to have a discussion with them that started out with them suggesting here's a fixed dollar amount because we want to build our website and we think it's going to be cool to, well, if we actually target, let's target a KPI. And we identified the conversion rate as a KPI of high relevance because we, we knew from experience their conversion rate should be higher. And we also knew from experience that the platform they had their website on wasn't allowing that conversion rate to be higher. We also did a test where we identified the precise keywords that we wanted to drive in a test campaign through paid advertising to their website. And this is a big thing I would recommend to everybody. If you want to figure out what your conversion rate should be for qualified traffic, pay for that qualified traffic in Google Ads and Bing and see what your conversion rate is. Because in my experience, if, say, I'm Ashland Outdoor Store and I'm buying the Ashland Outdoor Store keyword, or let's say I'm North Face and I'm buying the North Face snowshoe sleeping bag, I should be converting between like 8 and 12%. So if I'm driving that precise keyword to that precise landing page and I'm only getting 3%, then I have something wrong with my website. And if I fix that thing, I should expect a 300% increase in my sales from that activity. And that would be across the board because I, I believe I've never seen a situation where the paid conversion rate didn't also change in the same ratio as organic when something was updated on the website. So uh, in that particular case, we saw uh, this company was actually doing about 3% with the driven traffic that was highly targeted when they should have been nine, doing 9 to 12. And so we made a guess and a very educated guess that we could get their conversion rate to 4% by updating their website. And then when you basically did the math and said, it's going to cost this much, if you get 4%, you're going to increase your revenue by this much, which means you can have this much contribution margin. 
And we were able to look the, the CFO and the founder in the eye and say, with a 90% certainty or, or con- confidence level, we think we can get you to 4%. And that if we do, you will actually get a return on investment based on contribution margin, not total sales, in under six months. And so they were able to look at it like a, as if a return on investment rather than just an expense. And in fact, we ended up doing it something like 146 days. Okay, some really amazing insights there overall with respect to the drivers. And as you correctly pointed out, that the conversion rate could be one of the KPIs that you may want to look at and probably draw your business plan in terms of what you want to get from your e-commerce channel and how that split is going to be overall. From the revenue perspective and finally uh, design your funnel, how that is going to look and finally the KPIs, how you are going to get there and then measure using that. Thank you so much for for that, uh, Steve. Now, Chris, I'm actually going to move to you. Do you agree with everything that has been said so far? How would you plan this, let's say, if you were the e-commerce executive yourself and you wanted to really get revenue from e-commerce channel? But you haven't done this, so obviously you are going to have that fear. So how would you plan this? Yeah, I think uh, the conversation is really interesting so far because it, it's been about companies who are already having some conversion online, right? And they're trying to incrementally improve. Many of the people that we talked to or that we have helped are coming to e-commerce for the first time. So I think that when they're really thinking about the budgeting and planning process, you're introducing some of these concepts as the metrics that you're going to measure once people start using the site. But one of the early key factors is just user adoption. You know, so what are you planning for and budgeting to ensure that customers are actually utilizing the tool that you've invested in? So when I think about planning and budgeting and really the, the customer's that we've helped. I went back and thought about this in our prep. And there are five different areas where you should expect investment. People, uh, technology, of course, the data, fulfillment, and marketing. So as I looked across all of the different areas where there are spend, I really bucketed it into these five different categories. I think you've got to plan to have a committed group of people and a leader who's going to be driving your e-commerce initiative. So you need to look at the people investment. You need to also do with your people the requirements gathering, which is going to identify and help you solve and evaluate for the technology, right? And you should be leveraging third-party companies to help you in this evaluation, but potentially also with the people side of things because they have experience that can help you move faster. On the data side, I found that a lot of failures can occur when you launch uh, a website if you haven't cleansed your data properly. So how you prepare your data, you need to be planning for that in the budgeting process. And then, of course, fulfillment, when you think about warehousing, um, where your inventory is going to come from, the whole inventory management side, there's a lot in that aspect of of the budgeting and planning process. And then you get to marketing. How will you... drive traffic to your site. You know, for our customers who sell equipment and are selling parts that go with that equipment, that customer acquisition side of things isn't as daunting as a B2C initiative because they typically already know their customers. Now, if they're going after new customer acquisition, which hopefully should be an ROI metric, right? So if you think about your ROI 
uh, items, you want to grow market share or share of wallet from your existing customers. You want to expand into new markets or you want to get some efficiencies. And that's what e-commerce should allow you to get all three. So the planning in those five categories are going to help you uh, achieve those ROI targets. Okay, I definitely love your bucket, especially with people, tech, data, uh, fulfillment, and marketing. I think that's that's pretty much it in terms of overall things that you probably need when it comes to e-commerce. Uh, but the biggest challenge most companies are going to face is when we look at people, sure, once you have the revenue, then they are probably going to allocate somebody. I understand your argument that you probably should have dedicated set of people so that there is no sort of fire fighting between the groups that no, I don't care whether I get the revenue from e-commerce or not because I'm already getting from traditional channels and I'm meeting my numbers. So that's why having those people dedicated is really important. But overall, when I look at this, right, your people, I think that's manageable once you actually get your revenue. Your fulfillment is probably going to be your manageable. The biggest challenge always is going to be either your marketing because that's where the, the fear is going to be in terms of how to plan for for spend because if you haven't done it, then it's going to be slightly trickier. And also tech. Tech uh, is always the trickiest just because you don't know what you are going to get out of it. Sometimes it could be it could be harder if you have never done this. So let's say, uh, Chris, I ask you some sort of you know rough ballpark of the percentages that you have seen with your customers, how they have planned this, or how you would recommend them to plan in terms of, let's say, the marketing spend, tech spend. What is it going to be? Is it going to be like, 10% marketing, 10% tech, 10% data, 30% people, 40% fulfillment. What am I looking at here? You know, we never uh, bucketed it into percentages with customers before. That's not to say we haven't done a, a, a full analysis to de determine the return on the investment, right? So those percentages can vary by organization. And it's really going to depend on whether they're doing it for the first time or if they're replatforming. So percentages, I think, are very difficult to say. What I will tell you is that when they identify the key goals that they want to achieve, the return on their initial investment is typically anywhere from six months to 18 months. And that's usually for the initial phase. I, I want to remind people that e-commerce is a journey, right? So you are continually having ongoing costs this is a sales channel. So like any other investment you have in sales, you're going to be continuing to invest uh, year over year. So that initial investment with the one-time costs and overcoming those one-time costs with the, the ongoing subscription fees and any additional resources, typically there's, a, there's an initial payback period. But it's after that that we want to make sure that we're achieving the success metrics that have been defined at the start of the project. Okay, so let's do this. I'm actually going to give you a little exercise here, okay? And <laughs> what we are going to do is we are going to find a story with respect to the 6 to 18 months return that you mentioned, sure. right? So what we are going to do is whichever point you have worked with, and you mentioned that your return is roughly in 6 to 18 months. So give me a story where the return was 6 to 18 months. What was their previous state? Did they have any e-commerce experience? What kind of products were they selling? Did they have any e-commerce presence? How much did they spend in each of these buckets? I don't know if they spent at all, whatever they did. So can you provide a story where you can talk about how much investment did they do in, let's say, marketing? What kind of channels they explored? How much investment in tech? And how they got the ROI? How you measured this? 
Yeah. Do you have any story that you might be able to share? Sure. So we have a customer who started their e-commerce journey with the intention to initially roll out to dealers. Okay. okay. So they didn't have to do any marketing spend. There was nothing to do on marketing. Okay. They had to invest in technology. They had to allocate some existing resources to the implementation of their e-commerce solution. They yep. had to uh, allocate time uh, in training and in understanding. They allocated some of their sales budget to compensating salespeople for e-commerce business. So when dealers would place their orders online, that that was part of their the compensation plan that they they I always encourage people to consider that. And so the biggest buckets were really the technology, the people, and they had an initial success because there was a high adoption rate by their dealers. And there was great efficiencies gained in their internal customer support channel. So the efficiencies inside the businesses went up. So the amount of time that they were spending on the phone, the amount of time that they were answering emails, faxes from dealers previously were reallocated to more strategic projects. That is an example of a successful initial launch where dealers gave a lot of great feedback. They got the benefits early and now they were ready to take it direct to consumer. So hopefully that's a good example for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a great example. I was looking for some of the dollar figures. I don't know if you have some sort of, you know, ballpark in terms of the sales budget, the marketing spend, the tech spend, and, you know, what was the outcome in six to 18 months. If you don't have that, that's okay. But I was really hoping to provide perspective to our listeners in terms of, you know, what they should be thinking. And right now, I don't even have the revenue range of this company. Sometimes the company could be, let's say, $20 million, $30 million, $40 million. They might be spending 200000 e-commerce, but some of the companies might be frightened by that 200000 figure. So that's why I was hoping that if you could share some of the dollar figures, how much sure. companies are spending, so that they can learn from it. No, no, no. I mean, there's a real value here. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what I'd be willing to share and that I can have off the top of my head is that this company sells to dealers at $2 million plus per month. So they're okay. on average 2 to $3 million per month. Yeah. And their ongoing subscription costs are right in the range of $160,000. So there were initial costs to get them ramped up, but their okay. their ongoing costs are in that range. That's an annual subscription cost. The annual subscription cost of the tech, is it for marketing? Can you provide some more colors there? It's tech and the people resources that they've allocated to the project. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Chris. Erin, I'm actually going to move to you now. So do you have any specific stories that you might be able to share overall with respect to planning? What kind of trend that you are seeing in the market? I know you do a lot of work in the B2B and B2C. I don't know if you have any sort of comparison with respect to the stage of the company, with respect to their business models. Do you want to share your thoughts? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to just kind of riff off of what I've heard from all three folks here. Kind of settle. I'd love your bucket concept, Chris. That's a great metaphor, really useful. I'm going to keep drawing on that one. And I, I really appreciate what Damon was saying. And he's kind of saying, look, pay a price for your buckets. Somebody's going to handle your buckets for you. That's that's what the benefit of Amazon is. And then when Steve was talking about what are your drivers, that's, you know, it's a, it's a living cost. It's not just a single cost if you're going to be um, managing your own e-commerce solution. And what those drivers are, 
are determined by the the buckets that Chris Chris brought up so helpfully. But the thing that I really want to bring up, and and again, I often come from the the newbie perspective, is is really defining e-commerce. And I know that sounds simplistic, but so frequently we think of e-commerce just as that one bucket, the technology, a payment gateway, and something on the internet that I look at. And all of that's that's could be ten thousand, thirty thousand dollars, just basic, you know, low level package that'll get you something on the internet. That's not gonna do you any good. You, the, all those other well, the drivers and the buckets are what is really gonna determine your success. And success is revenue. I I know that's certainly at the end of the day the most important thing. But how this new investment impacts all of your other systems and all of your other operations is also part of your success metric. And one of the challenge areas that we've experienced is when a site owner or a business owner comes in to their e-commerce platforming platform, again, just thinking very simplistically, like I have a website and that's it. And so they're budgeting around that and they're frustrated when they're coming up against expenses that are in the other bucket areas. So we had a client, um, we bid the project. And again, I, I have some more to say about why this happened, but we bid the project low because of how they explained to us what they needed and what they wanted to do. And so that was bid at around 170. And, and you mentioned a $200,000 investment to a $30 million company. That's funny. That's exactly what this was. It was a, 170 was the bid. They're about a $30 million annual company. Got into the build and found out, oh, there are all these operational considerations in terms of how they run their ERP, how they do their fulfillment, what their expectations are in terms of the data that's going to be on their site. And that's going to push that price up significantly. At the end of the day, it was more extensive. The client was incredibly frustrated by that fact. And we have since adjusted how we move into the budgeting process. And this is what I want to touch on in a moment. At the end of the day, very happy. Everything worked out. They believe it was worthwhile. It was just that sticker shock. So what we've done because of that experience and and digital transformation is moving this direction anyway. And I know Steve does it and I know Chris does it. We We call it a strategy and evaluation at Earthling Interactive. So that means the first thing you do when you're working with an e commerce partner is you're looking at a plan that really answers all the questions about your drivers, your buckets, your long-term plan, your short-term plan, your people, you, their willingness to do these things. And you do that first and you budget for that. And I, I'd be interested to see if um, Steve and Chris do it the way we do. That's a fixed price, Sam. So it's in the 10K range. It, it can be smaller if there are fewer questions or much larger if it's a really complex system. But that is fundamental to making sure that this problem that I described earlier does doesn't occur with the overruns that nobody um, expected, but that are actually totally necessary in order to achieve your objectives. So I, first of all, the pitch for making that investment with your partner to find out what you're in for, and then really thinking about what are your success metrics that are sort of outside of just base revenue. Okay, amazing. So I love this story because obviously, initially, there is going to be a little bit of sticker shock. That's very natural. If somebody has not done something, it's it's the fear. And I don't think anybody can control that. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up. But then there was a happy moment as well that, you know, once they learned that, no, 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 this is a real deal. I'm only thinking about 170K, but here I'm probably going to grow twice as much. 
So what I'm really looking for is obviously I have the figure chart, I have the ROI, I have the happy moment, but what I don't have is the journey. Okay, in the story. So can you provide the journey overall? How you reach to the happy moment? What was the e-commerce revenue? When let's say there was a happy moment, was it $2 million, $3 million, $5 million, $10 million, $100 million? I don't know. Okay, so tell me what was that like when they actually got that happy moment? What was the, the transition like? How long did it take overall to get to that revenue point? What were some ups and downs in between? And how much was the cost that was initially planned, which you said, you know, 170K? What was that, that final cost? I don't know if you're able to share that, but I would love to know the whole journey. I appreciate your question. You're going to get frustrated by my answer, Sam. I know that. I'm ready for it. But <laughs> so in the end, yes, it was uh, around $220,000. That, that was the final cost for that project. Your question about what revenue did it generate? Yeah. And how did they, how, what made, what was the metric that made them feel happy? I think Chris and Steve and Damon can relate to this. The client is resistant to looking into that, to doing those metrics, to, to measuring that. They, they just wanted to like get it done, have it done. It's a website. And so I've been making the inquiries along those lines. That's important information. This is, this is what we want. We want to see growth and success. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Erin, for those thoughts. Really appreciate it. So now I'm actually going to move to the next question, and that is going to be more towards slightly more sophisticated planning. So let's say the initial conversation was more about if somebody is trying to get into e-commerce. But now let's say if somebody is already doing the e-commerce, and now they are going to have tons and tons and tons of options to evaluate, right? You are going to have the SEOs of the world now inside SEO. You are going to have millions of options that you can probably explore. And then you have the world of PPC. You have millions of options there as well. And obviously, you have a very tiny, mini budget that you can probably manage. And then you have to manage all of those five buckets that you mentioned, Chris. So let's say if you were to balance, and I know, Damon, your answer is always going to be, hey, it depends on the business. But I am looking for some sort of concrete advice or these stories that you may have seen, okay, if you are this kind of business, maybe you are looking at, let's say, 20% SEO, 30% PPC, 50% tech, something like that. So give me two or three either stories or the scenarios so that listeners can relate with it. All right. Well, I'll do as best I can. But I want to I'm going to step back just for a second, because what Steve said and what Chris said were, were critical. When you're doing budgeting, uh, as Steve said, knowing your KPIs to see the results, I don't care if I'm planning on spending 25% of my overall income or revenue on marketing like a Red Bull will. I mean, Red Bull will spend 10, you know, just way more than most brands will do it. Or if you're a Coca-Cola, I'm going to spend a lot of money that's just on brand awareness, which I'm not really even trying. You know, I don't care if it generates sales to a certain extent. But you got to have the KPIs because I don't want to spend the next dollar unless I know I'm getting re results with the dollar I've spent. So I, I cannot really move forward very far without making that point, because if you're not measuring your your uh, return on ad spend uh, and the other analytical data that you should be doing to make sure that you're getting the conversion, the people there, they're converting, they're generating the revenue like you want. It doesn't matter what you set the budget at, because if you, you know, I've had it where we've, we've gone, 
we've had a client a while ago that they were spending overall didn't seem like very much because they sold on a whole bunch of different channels without pay-per-click, but they were spending two or 3% of their total revenue on it. You know, and we knew as we saw this revenue going up, we, we were going to increase it by about a half a percent or by 25% for the year in the end of the next year. But that was with the caveat that we had to keep the performance within 10% of where we were currently seeing. So we weren't going to spend that extra money unless we saw the results from it. But on that company was about 30 million in revenue. And, you know, we spent, what was it? Not a lot. We spent twenty-five, thirty thousand $30,000 in SEO work every year. You spent fifty to a $75,000 just in, in, in their own website platform. Not to mention in the other 10 or so platforms we were going on, those are third party and the people to manage those. But, you know, when you're going to take on any of these initiatives, you have to look at the the buckets that Chris talked about. I got to know how many people are going to be involved. I got to know what my tech stack costs are going to be. I got implementation people and all this. And as, as Steve was talking about, you're building your budget has to come from what am I going to do and what's it going to cost for each one of those things? I mean, because when we build an annual budget for somebody, it's not just I'm going to spend 50 bucks here and 50 bucks there. It starts out if I'm on my own website channel, these are the things that we're going to do. We have our, our 12 months laid out, you know, and if in the third month of the year, we're going to start our SEO efforts, we start putting money in. We ramp that money up in the lines of the actual in in the income statement where they would go in the budget. So that all drives up into and behind that, you've got staffing models that says, hey, as my business grows, my my staff is going to need to increase in customer service, in order processing. And then on the backside of all this, you got to make sure that I'm I'm taking care of if my inventory has to grow because of growth in the business, I have to dedicate cash to go into inventory growth. And that shows us what it's going to be overall. So these things all operate together, first of all, is what I'm saying. But as a certain percentage, you know, if you look at it, it varies so widely because if I'm a B2B company, like Chris was talking about selling parts through my distributors or my my people that are using those parts, it's much different than a, someone that's that's trying to sell toys or a company like Red Bull that's trying to get you know their brand out there so everybody buys the, the drinks. It's, it's completely different. But all of the fundamentals are all the same because it has to start with, for each one of these efforts... What are the people, the tech, all the resources we're going to need? And then when you roll that up into the business, what does that mean financially for the business? And, what, and, and you know, because quite honestly, in, in our growth companies, you start growing an e-commerce company hard. First thing that's going to happen, you're going to run out of cash. Unless you're, unless you're a great, big, huge company and you've got millions of dollars sitting around, you will run out of cash. If you're a $20 million company, you just start growing hard. You're going to run out of cash in the second year like you never thought you ever would. And the owners are going to look at you and they're going to go, I see Steve shaking his head. He's been there. The owners will look at you going, I can't be making any money. I'm out of, I'm out of cash. Well, if you look, you probably grew your inventory by 25%. You're, you know, the money that's out just floating around between getting paid is out there too. And that all costs. And, uh, but the budgeting of it, it has to start back again in the buckets that Chris said with the results that Steve was talking about, measuring the results to make sure you don't keep spending if it's not giving you the return. And, and then making sure that as an, an executive group that you're looking at, your financial, your CFO, as you talked about, they've got an easy way to understand that we're actually using the money the way we said we would, and that it's giving the results we want. Yeah, amazing insights there, especially 
when it comes to running out of cash, when you are doing the e-commerce, e-commerce could be expensive. Overall, from the marketing perspective, it could also be very expensive from the, the tech perspective. So you definitely watch out for, for the cash. Define your ratios. Don't invest too much unless you have some proven model. As Damon pointed out in the initial conversation that try out with the maybe small product and maybe, I don't know, maybe less than 10%, 5% revenue and try it from there and see how that works out and then try different channels. So Steve, I'm actually going to move to you next. I'm really looking for some insights overall with respect to SEO versus PPC. I mean, SEO is going to take a long time overall. I don't know if that is going to be totally attributable to the revenue in, let's say, next, I don't know, maybe 12 months, 14 months, sometimes it could take longer than that. Uh, so I don't know if you want to really spend money in that. Would you rather do PPC? But then if the PP, from the PPC perspective as well, if your keywords are going to be either expensive or too competitive, then it could be harder there as well. So overall, when you design these slices or provide the recommendation for people, what would be your recommendation where they should be investing their money so that they are not out of cash? Excellent question. And I want to answer that. I also want to answer your previous question and sort of hop on the, the Damon, Chris, Aaron bandwagon by, and by backing up a little bit because this is related to the PPC question because we're talking about budget. And what I'm hoping to do, I think I can comp- kind of provide a framework that you're looking for, Sam, when yeah. you're asking that question, like how much is it going to cost, right? Yeah. And what I would say is that it, I'm going to throw out 5% as a, a, a fake but semi-well-established number of what your marketing budget should be for a business, right? And it can go up or down based on your, you know, how much margin you have, whether you're selling wholesale, which basically cuts your margin in half, lots of other factors. But if you start there and and you say to yourself that I want to be at a million dollars a year three years from now, well, I don't have any revenue at direct to consumer. So at five percent of zero is nothing. Right. And so the framework that I think I would say to people is that you have to have some investment in the growth. And if you start at 5% and you say you want to be at a million, well, 5% of a million is $50,000 a year. And I would suggest that if you want to do a million in three years or five years, let's I'm going to say five, you should be investing $50,000 a year now in marketing in order to get there, right? So you have to keep that. That's just sort of a benchmark. The other thing backing up, I want to remind everybody a website is not a marketing investment any more than adding a wing onto your building is a marketing investment. It is an infrastructure investment that happens to have the ability to generate direct revenue, just like opening a new store in a new town does, right? And it needs to be considered like that. The difference is for, for small companies, if you go open a 5,000 square foot store anywhere in the United States, uh, I can tell you from experience, it's going to cost you between computers, staffing, training, redesigning, upgrading, whatever you call it, all that stuff. It's going to cost you, including inventory, between $180,000 and $200,000 out of your pocket to just open the doors. And it's going to take you three to six months to do it. The nice thing about a website is if you know what you're doing and you have the right team, you could potentially open a website, a new store, in under 30 days, a big one. Unfortunately, a a lot of developers don't sort of get ahead of of the – the bowling ball, and I, I don't think any of them are in this uh, chat room right now. And and they say, oh, it'll take three to six months. And nine months later, their customers are like, where's my my website, right? And so you, you've got this total loss of opportunity cost 
based on inability to perform. So, so getting back to the, the growth strategy, you have to invest more than your 5% if you're going to get to where you want to go. And I would always say pick three to five years out and be uh, willing to make that investment. Now, the idea about PPC, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set SEO aside for a moment. And I want to point out that if paid AdWords is a place where you know exactly what you're doing if you're doing it right. And if if I'm running a campaign, I'll give you actually a real world example. I had a client who said, what should we set our budget for, for paid advertising, right? And and my answer usually is, if I give you a 1200% ROI, are you going to cut my budget? And so in this particular case, we just started with $5,000 a month in spend, it had nothing to do with paying for me, right? And the, the, the CFO wants to include like me in the expense of that. And I looked at him and I said, okay, well, you've got a guy over there who you're paying $72,000 to sit in a chair and work in marketing. And, and he works on paid advertising strategies. Are you including his pay in this too? And they said, no. And I, so remember that as a CFO, what is actually part of your marketing uh, expenses or investment? In the case of the 5,000 bucks, it takes time to get rolling. You're not going to get, you're not going to make money in the first three or four months, maybe six, maybe you get lucky. But eventually, we were running campaigns. They're running between 800 and 1200%. And what the cool thing that Google does and Bing does is they tell you what your impression share is. And your impression share is the percent of times they showed your ad compared to the number of times they could have shown your ad had you had more budget or more congruence, meaning better ads, better landing pages. So basically, we were spending $5,000 and getting about $45,000 in sales every single month. And our impression share was 20% because the CFO insisted that we didn't have a budget for that. And I looked at him and I said, look, Google's telling us if we increase our budget by 500%, so we go from 20 to 100, which we weren't really going to go to 100 because you cap out somewhere between 90 and 95. But they're telling us that instead of getting $45,000 a month, we could get four hundred fifty or $400,000 a month. So if you've got the inventory, let's rock and roll, right? So that's an example where a fixed budget placed on a, a system by uh, you know somebody who's in charge of keeping a fixed budget doesn't actually work. The, the only gate to success of that, as Damon sort of uh, uh, noted earlier, is your ability to produce the product fast enough and not run out of money while you're doing it. And uh, the addition to Damon's comment is that if you're doing direct-to-consumer sales, you have the benefit of getting the money before it goes out the door. So, And you get a bigger margin, contribution margin. Whereas if you're wholesaling out the door, you're usually getting net 30, net 60, or in the case of a negotiated uh, truce with a big company like Home Depot or Amazon, they might actually be getting net 90 out of it. So that's where you run into cash crunches. Did so, they do it? I want to know if they did it. Uh, they didn't go that high, but I got them to go to 25 over three months. Nice. And the, the return on ad spend stayed the same. So that's a win. Perfect. Yeah. So some amazing insights there. I really like your comparison of your website with the store. And that's how they should be compared, in my opinion, as well. If you are not comparing that, then obviously you are you are missing the game. Now, I really like the way you have put in the framework. I think that's very important. That's going to give some confidence to our listeners that, you know what, when you are starting, you don't want to start with, let's say, $100,000 per month that could fire back. That is not going to be a prudent decision, in my opinion. 
Okay, so it's it's good to start small, uh, five thousand, you know, six thousand, whatever. Test out the market, and as you correctly pointed out, that you know what, Google is actually telling you the impression share as well. So then you grow from there. So in my opinion, I think the right approach is going to be you grow from five to ten, and then see if you are still getting the same return. Then ten to fifteen, and then see if you are getting that. And that's how, in my opinion, you everybody should be growing. Just because, again, going back to the same point that Damon mentioned that. you could actually run out of cash but one thing i would point out though is when you spoke about the overall cost of the marketing so you mentioned that the internal people are not really accounted in the marketing spend but if i were the cfo i would probably accounting both of them because that's actually the the e-commerce spend the way chris was saying that you know you have to design your pnl and you have to figure out okay if people are going to be part of your e-commerce strategy that's going to be your spend otherwise your roi is going to look inflated and that is something you don't want to do as the as the business owner because again you can run out of the cash so i would actually account for both of them i would probably create the pnl the way chris and and demon had mentioned so erin i'm actually going to move to you now what is your perspective overall ppc versus seo what have you seen working in your experience well i want to answer your question but in a different way like we all do that we're talking about budget so i want to remind people that you're you've got your ongoing expenditures and for the ppc and, and for any sort of sso work that you're doing there are other factors in your initial budget that you need to think about with the marketing and that is any integrations that you want to do with other technologies that will support those marketing activities so For example, that's that which bucket is it, Chris? Help me out here. I'm not, I, a technology bucket. Oof. Yeah, integrations <laughs> technology. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> and and it's one that's just often overlooked and the problem there is there's not a recipe book. So you have one so a platform is basically your software. Let's say if we're talking about e-commerce or talking about Magento, the one we're familiar with. You have Magento but then you have all of these other opportunities to take advantage of other technologies how those two things work together might be prescribed it depends on the other technology that you're using to drive seo or to monitor or to um do some of your ad spends and to target your with your data but how those two things are linked up together depends entirely on what it is that you want to get out of them what sort of apis are available and so forth and that expense is not an easy one to budget for but it's one that you need to consider early on in the process because if you want to take full advantage of some of the technologies you may have already invested in you might have them sitting there i mean i don't know how many people we've talked to have salesforce and they're like i don't know i use it as a database and if they could integrate it with their e-commerce system or with some of the other systems that they have they could take full advantage of that so it's not exact a direct answer to your question on spend monthly but it is something to consider in your budget early on and if anybody wants to chime in on that I'd love your the benefit of your experience uh I I'd love to talk about that because the the companies that I work with we do all of that with them not just for them and and what we remind them is that your website is basically just a data entry tool for your ERP and not all ERPs are created equal and none of them are perfect like just like no websites are perfect and um but a, a website because because of the way that websites are mostly written in PHP 85% of the world runs on it it's it's fairly inexpensive to find developers who can work in it and the integrations with an ERP 
with the ERP sophisticated enough, which most of them are, are usually pretty straightforward. Whereas the implementations that many ERPs have for certain aspects of a business, like maybe going to a trade show and entering stuff into the ERP, often require expensive paid seats and or custom devices. Sometimes like I saw one that actually had military grade tablets that were like $6,000 a piece. And they were just for drivers that were heading out to uh, pick up or to drop off groceries at, at stores, you know, so it completely exorbitant. It turns out your website can do a lot of that stuff and it can, it can be the order entry piece that actually mitigates a bunch of the challenges that ERPs present accidentally, either because they're built that way or because they were set up incorrectly. Because in spite of most of them were built well, they're set up poorly. So getting back to sort of that integration piece, uh, a really well-built website can actually handle wholesale customers. It can handle buy groups. It can handle large corporations. It can handle individual retail consumers. It can handle the salespeople outside of the company. It can handle the inside salespeople. It can handle orders at a trade show. And it can, it can literally reduce the number of people that have to work in your business to accomplish things significantly. Like, for example, I ha- I do have a company I've been working with for 12 years. And we've implemented a bunch of things through the website because every time they come up with a, a problem in their ERP, many times it's unsurmountable and sometimes it's not. And we're, by the way, a big proponent of the ERP surmounting technique. Sometimes you, we just have to work around it. But they're now they went from 13 to 55 million in the last 10 years. And the number of people that answer the phone, the same number of people in the shipping department, the same. And, and not only did they go to 55 million, but they did it doing direct to consumer sales. So the number of packages that they, that they send out is, I don't know how many zeros are after a one to get to that percentage, but you can imagine before they were sending crates to Home Depot and now they're sending individual packages hundreds a day and, and they don't have more employees. So that's technology that that's what you want your systems to do, whether you get it with the ERP or website. And I, I think the website is an underappreciated avenue for doing that. It's not just a sales tool. Okay, amazing thoughts there. And now we are at the bottom of the hour. So we are going to take only the closing advice, just in one to two sentences, if possible. So, Demon, do you want to start with your closing advice? Consider all the buckets. I think that's a, that's the biggest thing I have. And, and, and put the details behind it. I mean, because that, that's what kills me is someone comes in and they say, oh, it's going to be $10,000 for this thing. And they're just thinking about this the the tool cost right not thinking about everything else around it i think that's the big thing is consider the cost from all sides and and at the intersections of where it's going to work i agree with demon and that's how a sophisticated business guy is going to think that you need to consider everything irrespective of whether you are talking about the internal cost or external cost they all are relevant and by the way one of the comments that was made in between is the guy sitting internally maybe he's paid 72000 but the actual rate that this person is going to have is probably going to be 2x of that. So don't forget the benefits. Don't forget the, the vacations that he or she might be paying. And then compare the rate and put that rate on your cost and the PNL that you are going to do to get the true sense of ROI. So on that note, Chris, I, I want to move to you in terms of your closing advice. Yeah, I would say budget for the journey, not just the initial investment. And I will tell you that a lot of times customers after the initial investment need to do the analysis and determine what is not being bought in their e-commerce store. 
the value of e-commerce is is part that it's an ERP solution that it's entering things, but the other part is it's this amazing search tool that will tell you what the ERP portion is the actual transaction and the conversion. The search ratio of what was searched and actually purchased is the analysis. That's where the gold is. That's typically where you need to reinvest is in what are the problems and why customers aren't buying from you. So uh, think about that. That's what I would say. Yeah, I agree with your advice and think of more of the journey. Build out your roadmap, build out those tiny, mini P&Ls and monitor those, um, you know, hold people accountable for the ROI or at each step. Steve, do you want to share your closing advice? Yeah, I'm going to agree with those sentences. I'm going to say driving accountability of department leads through inclusion is super important. You need to give them access to the data so they can create accurate budgets in real time and then continuously evaluate the performance. It's not an annual process. At at minimum, you should be meeting every six weeks to review what you did, what you decided you were going to do annually with a team of people who are measuring and adjusting. Okay, uh, Erin, I know you have to leave at 4.30. I don't know if you are going to have quick closing advice. This is my advice for every situation. Ask more questions. Too often when it comes to budgeting, there's an assumption and then there's frustration and people stop engaging in the conversation. Ask questions and um, you'll you'll understand what's behind those costs that are kind of making your eyes bulge out. Okay, thank amazing you. advice. Thank you so much, Erin. <laughs> and on that note, I want to thank everybody for their time and insight. Thank, thank you. Sam. Thanks, Sam. Bye, guys. Bye. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Erin Courtney, head over to earthlinginteractive.com. It's E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G-I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T-I-V-E dot com. If you want to learn more about Damon Pistilka, head over to exityourway.us. It's E-X-I-T-Y-O-U-R-W-A-Y. If you want to learn more about Steve Rice, head over to .comjungle.com. It's D-O-T-C-O-M-J-U-N-G-L-E.com. If you want to learn more about Christina Harrington, head over to genalpha.com. It's G-E-N-A-L-P-H-A.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you, and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Brian Beck from Enceba, who discusses key trends in B2B e-commerce, including the size of Amazon's prominence in B2B product research and buying, and why manufacturers and distributors should be paying attention and acting now. Also, the interview with Kurt Anderson, from B2B Tail, who touches on how manufacturers can grow their business through e-commerce. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode 
of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.